Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is David Patrick Carey with Church of the Eternal Logos, and we are joined by a very special guest today, Bobby Risto of Bobby's Perspective. How are you doing today, brother? Yeah, thanks for having me, first and foremost. David's doing good, doing fine. Happy to be here on your channel and looking forward to our discussion. Uh, brother, thank you for having on, you know, coming on. We've been talking back and forth for about two months, you know, trying to figure out a time in which both of our schedules lined up for uh, a chat. So I was really excited. Um, I've always been jealous of that beard you got and that deep voice. So the 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 ortho content coming out on your just, channel. Go ahead. I can just return the compliment, but in reverse. I'm jealous of your thick hairline. So there you go. <laughs> Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate Can't it. Can't have it all. Can't right. have it all. <laughs> right. Well, uh, so today, guys, we're going to be getting into um, really just talking a, a fun conversation, talking about orthodoxy, talking about our journeys into orthodoxy, our experiences potentially with drugs, psychedelics, the sort of spiritual, not religious, and then lifting, uh, just really kind of moving into our own understandings of masculinity, uh, diet, meat, eating meat the whole vegan cult and uh, that would probably take us to about two hours. <laughs> so, so uh, brother, you know, f maybe to begin, um, can you just explain to people maybe who you are? I'm sure most people have already watched your content anyways, but maybe for, if there is some people who aren't familiar, um, you know, just who you are, what you do and kind of what, what you're trying to put out in the world. Sure. Sure. Who am I? The deepest question. Mm. I started my channel around about three and a half years ago by now, I believe. And at first it was a vegan channel. So I was misled by the doctrine of the devils, if you will. And I promoted veganism, a plant-based diet in combination with plant-based slash vegan bodybuilding, being compassionate and building muscle at the same time. That was the beginning of the channel. Then I promoted psychedelics a lot simultaneously whilst traveling to Peru, to Colombia and doing ayahuasca with the shamans. So it was kind of a new agey channel in the beginning. And then slowly but surely, when the deficiencies started kicking in, mm -hmm. I discovered the truth of eating meat. And that is something that is so mind-boggling to me nowadays looking back because now you might think that it's kind of commonsensical to eat meat, but in this day and age, we don't know if we are men or women anymore. We can decide <laughs> after after Sadly an age of, I don't know, what is it now, 18 years or so, right? First, we have to take puberty-blocking hormones, and then we can decide. Yeah, well, so was I. I was confused. And then the interesting thing is that after reintroducing meat and realizing that the science, quote-unquote, failed me, because the science said a vegan diet is suitable for everyone, for every stage of life. 
all of a sudden I saw that, hmm, maybe science is not the whole picture here. Mm -hmm. And it kind of reminded me that I lost faith, basically. First and foremost, I lost faith in myself, but then I lost faith ultimately in God. Right. And eating meat, funny enough, made me return slowly but surely to Christianity, Christian orthodoxy. And yeah, but now I'm kind of revealing the whole story, right? I just wanted to tell you quickly who I am. So right now I'm promoting Christian orthodoxy, eating meat, still lifting weights to an extent if you can, if you're not in quarantine like myself. Oh, and yeah. So they got you in lockdown Good right life. now? Where you, where you live, right? Pretty I, much. Somebody in the chat said you're a German, and I, I wasn't sure where exactly your ethnicity was. I see you always talking about Bulgaria and posting things. I assumed you're Bulgarian. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Some people assume I'm Bulgarian. Some people assume I'm a Mongol Tatar. <laughs> this, is the, <laughs> this is the perspective of my fellow Macedonian. So it's a somewhat complex story. My parents are from the former Yugoslav Republic, okay. but from the demography from the region of Macedonia, now known as Northern Macedonia. However, there is a huge suppression of the Bulgarian identity within that country. And it took me 33 years to realize that we're actually Bulgarians in denial. And since I started speaking out about that, we had a lot of controversy, which ended up being shown on Bulgarian television, on Greek television, oh, Macedonian, wow. quote-unquote, newspapers. I am, so to speak, the public enemy number one right now, which is quite interesting to me as well. Oh, yeah. wow. I was totally but yeah, of that. Ethnically, yeah, it happened fast. <laughs> ethnically Bulgarian, grew up in Germany, traveled the world since 2014. So I haven't been back to Germany. And now... Right now, at the moment, I'm in Portugal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, yes. Portugal, so what... Portugal sounds awesome, but at the moment, it's... Sorry to interrupt you, but at the moment, no, it's just beyond horrific to be here because the compliance of the people is just mind-boggling. They don't even have to wear a mask outside, but everybody does. If oh. you don't, they look at you as if you are the Antichrist himself. It's unbelievable, really. What you are witnessing in this country, the compliance is just insane. Everything is shut down. Nobody can do anything. And they seem to be pretty happy. So as we see, we have Dr. Klaus Schwab in the chat. His slogan is, of course, you will own nothing and be happy. And this is how the people behave around here as well. So they're very happy about the Great Reset. I'm babbling. Wow. I'm ranting. I give the mic to you, man. So, so... um you have no gyms or anything like that open, I take it. I shouldn't say it out in the open here. So my jiu-jitsu gym, thank God, is doing secret rolls. So at least I can <laughs> roll three to four times per week. Right. In secrecy, behind closed doors. But the regular gyms, the weightlifting, none. So for wow. two months now already, everything is closed. Because that was something I it's wanted to ask It's for our health you. diet. I wanted to ask you that sort of general feel over in Europe, because uh, it's hard. It's hard to gauge other people, you know, other people's experiences in different places. I know right here where I'm at, I'm in Indiana, so it's a little more the Midwest in in the United States. Yeah, uh, there are you know people are still compliant with the mass stuff, but uh, basically like my life is back to normal. You know, gyms no mask. You know, gyms oh, really? are open. But um, but when you go to like hospitals, if you go to any federal building, anything, you know, if you go to major cities, it's a different story. But as soon as you get outside major cities, 
things are pretty much back to normal life. So it depends no, on where you're good at. To hear, man. So yeah. if you go into the if you go into the gym, do you have to do anything? For example, enter with the mask or right. disinfect your hands, something well, along those lines? Ironically, yeah. Ironically, uh, so if I go to, I have two gym memberships. At Anytime Fitness, if I go there, no, I don't have to do anything at all to get in uh, to work out. Then I have this a membership to the, another gym. It's actually a Christian gym, and it's for bodybuilding, and he has mm. multiple locations. But you have to wear a mask because uh, he's inside wow. the city ordinance. And so you have to wear a mask to enter okay. the first door. And then as soon as you get past that first door, he's fine. You can take it off. You don't have to do anything. He just wants people to enter the right. place with the mask on so he can't be fined by the health department. Yeah. But, but after that, yeah. you know. This is how it used to be here. I'm go, go ahead. Yeah, this is how it used to be here before the lockdown. We had the same concept. So you enter with the mask. For what is it like five to ten meters, and then you can take it off again, right? Right. I mean, it's ridiculous. That's how it used to be, but now, yeah, but now they decide to shut everything down for our health and safety because it's better not to work out and to sit at home and watch Netflix and eat ice cream. (laughs) It's better for your health. He told me, so I will obey no matter what Klaus tells me. Tristan, uh, Tristan over at Primal Edge Hell said, "Bobby thinks it's okay to do jujitsu in the middle of a pandemic." <laughs> yeah, apparently. I don't know what I was thinking, man. So I think I deserve anything that is coming to me. If you see me on a respirator in a couple of months, it's my own fault. <laughs> and I don't want the taxpayer to pay for me. I'm going to pay by myself, right? From my hard-earned social credit score. Right. Of course. So uh, the first thing that I really wanted to get into and ask you about was kind of your journey into orthodoxy. You know, uh, talking privately before we went live, we mentioned that we actually have a shared uh, similarity as you were highlighting in your introduction with psychedelics. Uh, you did ayahuasca. I've done ayahuasca right. sessions. I haven't gone down to South America though. Um, but a lot of psychedelics mm-hmm. really deep into that culture. And so I'm really fascinated then like uh, growing up wherever, you know, where did you grow up? Like what, where, tell me your, your spiritual story that led you to orthodoxy and like what you're doing now and being such a powerful voice for young men. Mm. For me, it's quite interesting that so many Americans nowadays find to orthodoxy, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. That is something that is really fascinating to me, be it you, be it Jay Dyer, be it Tristan. I was baptized in Macedonia, orthodox from birth, basically. I don't know how old I was, maybe one year old, maybe younger. So as a baby, I was baptized right away. And I grew up with orthodoxy. So my mother had the icons at home. Every night she would light a candle they weren't very dogmatic about it, not super religious, but it was just part of our culture, right? Mm -hmm. And therefore, I didn't know any other churches than our Orthodox churches until I saw the Catholic churches in Germany. For me, that was just what Christianity is. Mm -hmm. So therefore, this was home, right? And when I saw all of a sudden so many Americans finding to Orthodoxy and I was still deep within the psychedelic realm, It was very strange to me, and I thought to myself, did I miss something? I was looking everywhere, right? I was listening to Terrence McKenna, Alan Watts, doing ayahuasca, growing my own mushrooms, taking LSD and what have you. But I didn't look to orthodoxy, right? And that was something that was mind-blowing to me. I was talking to Tristan quite extensively, and he was one of the first, not only one of the first, but the first, I have to correct myself, carnivores slash keto dieters that invited me on his channel and i was still into the mushrooms right Mm -hmm. 
he was speaking about orthodoxy and I couldn't believe what I was hearing. It was so strange to me that an American actually would be orthodox. But this opened up the interest and this is how I started researching. And after a while, I got more and more into it. But it took me around about a year to come to the conclusion that I want to return to the orthodox church. Right. Mm -hmm. Anyways, how did it happen? It happened, strangely enough, through a mushroom experience as well. <laughs> which is kind of counterintuitive. Right. But at the peak of my last mushroom experience, and this is one and a half years ago by now, I saw Jesus. I saw a cross, if you will. I experienced a psychedelic baptism of fire, if you will. Ooh. And in that psychedelic experience, there was just one way out of our sins, so to speak, and of our damnation, if you will, that was through the cross, that was through the narrow path, that was through orthodoxy. Mm -hmm. At that moment, it was crystal clear that I will not touch psychedelics anymore and that I will return to Christ. Mm. Before that, however, it was very strange to me to grasp that concept. I was asking those questions even openly on my channel. And I said, if I want to understand ayahuasca, I go to the Amazon jungle and I drink ayahuasca. If I want to understand mushrooms, I take some mushrooms. If I want to understand jiu-jitsu, I go to a gym, right? But I didn't understand Christian orthodoxy because I couldn't wrap my head around it intellectually at first. And I didn't feel it spiritually. Right. Now, looking back, I know that it was very, very removed from it. And that I was under something that is called within orthodoxy prelast, under mm -hmm. spiritual deception. Right. This is something that I found out about through Father Seraphim Rose. Because if you have a psychedelic experience... For many, many people, it seems like the ultimate truth, the ultimate revelation, because before that, you just experienced normal life, right? And all of a sudden, you have a spiritual experience induced through a drug. And it's so mind-opening, quote-unquote, that you take it as truth, as gospel, so to speak, because, yeah, you never experienced anything like it. Mm -hmm. However, you can't, yeah, you can't even understand that it might be deception. Right. And that is what I came to terms with looking further into it. Then reflecting and realizing that psychedelics led me to veganism. That psychedelics <laughs> led me, yeah, right. psychedelics led me to straying away from even the idea of having children. Even the idea of having a wife, right? right. Living polyamorous or just doing my thing, blah, blah, blah. blah. So anyways, it was quite a back and forth. But in the end, again, through psychedelics. I realized that I don't want to do psychedelics anymore, but return to Christ. Right. So it was initially psychedelics and then a uh, around about one year until I came to terms of what I really want to do, where I really want to be. I think that makes sense. Wow. Hopefully. So so trying to follow your timeline then, that mushroom trip was about a year and a half ago, correct? Yeah, roundabout. And then, and then the yeah. so it took you about a year to process that in regards to eventually devoting, coming back in a devotional way back to orthodoxy. I mean, I came back to orthodoxy pretty much overnight. Oh, okay, but okay. to fully come to fully come to terms with how my path should be, how it should go, it took me still a year, I would right. say, because right. in between I wasn't certain. I was still intellectualizing and thinking about. Maybe there is a space, maybe there's a place for psychedelics still, right? Because after all, I found back to orthodoxy with psychedelics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. 
So it took me around about a year to kind of come to full acknowledgement. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, because I have, <laughs> ironically, I, I had two psychedelic experiences, the last two psychedelic experiences I had, which are now years ago, uh, was a really high dose LSD experience after I had uh, basically dealt uh, with for probably four to six months just reading orthodox theology and really familiarizing myself at an intellectual level, totally non-believer, not interested in converting, never thought I'd convert, totally psychedelic, producing psychedelic content, but very interested in this Logos theology stuff that I was reading about. And I just liked the yeah. aesthetics of orthodoxy. I liked going, and, and so it was, just, it was a slow process for me, and um, it was the... Um, this LSD experience after I had processed all the, that reading for about, you know, again, six months, had this... Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should, too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Radical LSD experience where I felt like I connected a bunch of dots. And the dots were mm -hmm. everything that I thought was true within the psychedelic worldview, uh, right, um, that we're all one, right? This is a big one. The realization, oh, we're all one. Yeah. Well, this is really a misunderstanding of love your neighbor as yourself, the original commandment of Christ, in terms of what are the implications of that experience on psychedelics? Like, what what is the validity of it? The validity is, oh, we're all one. It's not that, you know, there's just this ambiguous soul. And it, again, it, it, it it's a doing away with the personhood from our understanding. It's not that, in my understanding, and this is what I was realizing through this LSD experience, is that, it, no... <clears throat> it's about validating the the personhood in other people and loving everybody again as yourself, which is really the full realization of that psychedelic experience or fractals or sacred geometry, all this stuff. It's like, I didn't even have a real metaphysics to uh, account for all these things, which I loved and produced in videos and thought I was so spiritual and so far ahead of people. And then at a real level, my mm. worldview can't even account for all these things. And so it was under this LSD experience. It's like, no, it's the logos. And that all these things that I actually yeah. did like, I misunderstood. I misunderstood as it's really, again, well, it comes back to the teachings of Christ. It's the teaching of God, the Logos. And that didn't convert me. It, it, it certainly pushed me now. I'm like in the Christian camp, right? 
um, really started to consume. This is where I really got into actually consuming a lot of Tristan and Jay Dyer stuff with their conversations, mm. looking into carnivore and all this stuff. Um, but then I eventually went to an ayahuasca ceremony. And it was the, the ayahuasca ceremony that basically it, it did two things. It validated what I needed to do moving forward. And it helped me end what I had been doing for all those years previously, because the realization I was around all these people, nice people, everybody had nice experiences. Uh, it was an American ayahuasca experience. So it was, it was actually in Southern California and the, the people there, we have our experiences, you know, my take, my takeaway from the whole thing was that, um, I was so privileged by the ways in which my grandparents and then my parents lived their lives in a Christian, you know, moral framework. And that because of that, I've actually, my life, I was able to perceive how all these different things I am privileged from. And I'm not talking about white privilege. I'm talking about I'm privileged that my parents are married. I'm privileged you have the they white didn't, privilege. They didn't Don't argue deny in front of me. I'm privileged that they always did what was best for each other. You know, that's what was the realization. And it was Christian right. values. And then... The other one was that it was time to build. And so I had this huge realization that Christ is a carpenter. If I'm going to follow Christ, I need to start building. And that was the other thing, is that I had to stop what I was doing. I had this big YouTube channel. That's how I was making money at the time. That's how I was surviving. And the realization was I actually needed to stop all that, and I needed to start building. And and that the transition in my life was from a consumer to a constructor, to somebody who builds things and produces. I'm not always consuming anymore. And so it was like that transition was also an elevation in my own masculinity. You know what I mean? And so, sorry, mm-hmm. I rambled there. Uh, feel free to say whatever you want to say. No, no. But uh, that, no, that was those... absolutely beautiful. And... Go ahead. Go on. No, no, go on. I was going to say, well, it was those, those were like my last two major psychedelic experiences again years ago. But it was the realization of the logos. And then it was that if I take this stuff seriously, which I did at the time, I mean, I go to this ayahuasca ceremony actually holding the book by John Clamacus, you know, the, the ladder of divine ascent. I'm reading this, not Orthodox. I'm not Orthodox. I'm taking, I'm at an ayahuasca ceremony, but I'm reading Orthodox stuff. And it's like, you can't just put your toes in. You can't just do it, uh, because, oh, well, I really like these ideas and I like the icons and the aesthetics and the traditionality. And no, you, if it's true, it's true. And so it's like, I had to stop what I was doing I had to realize that the things that I was so privileged, the real privileges I had were because of family members living their lives in accordance, whether their theology was Protestant or, you know, heretical in different ways. It was that them as individuals, they honestly did believe in God and they honestly did try to live their lives as best as they could. And because of that, it caused such a ripple effect that I am able to do what I'm doing right now in front of this computer. And that is like, wow. And so, yeah, those, for me, those two experiences were the big uh, transition into doing what I'm doing. And so it was just uh, two months after that ayahuasca experience that I went full-time with Church of the Eternal Logos and stopped doing that stuff. And so I've been doing this ever since. That's absolutely beautiful, man. That's a beautiful story. And it just reminds me of something that I haven't thought about in quite some time because it happened maybe four or five years ago. And that was actually in the jungle when I did ayahuasca and I did ayahuasca a couple of times with shamans, a couple of times in a church setting as well, then ayahuasca church where they even had depictions of Jesus. They had a fusion of some 
I would say some sort of ayahuasca religion, Christianity and some pagan belief. Interesting. Whatever. There was that what I encountered back then in Colombia. However, there was this particular experience when I did ayahuasca by myself and I was alone in the forest drink ayahuasca that I brewed myself as well. They gave me this recipe and it was the so-called dark ayahuasca. There was a black ayahuasca and white ayahuasca and I had the black, the dark ayahuasca that night and yeah, as the name already suggests, there were a lot of dark energies around me and I even encountered a brujo, which is a dark shaman, an entity that was appearing and that entity started shooting energetic beams at me and tried to destroy my soul. So that point, I'm not a Christian whatsoever, right? Fully removed from it. But intuitively, alone in the jungle, I do the cross all of a sudden. And I get reminded of my upbringing and my baptism, which is quite amazing. Because this is how now I got reminded of. I felt this privilege as well. And I felt this memory of the baptism and the the origin of Christianity in my family, how they try to put me on the right narrow path, but I strayed away from the path. And right then, right there, I spoke in Bulgarian and said, Christianity is my religion and I am not, not from your tribe. I do not understand what you are doing here. There's some sort of witchcraft. <laughs> Apologies. Please let me live and Jesus protect me. Curiously enough, however, it took me two or three or whatever more years until I came to realization that Christianity was the way, even though I would say that on that day it already saved my soul. Mm -hmm. But this is a distant memory because right then, right there, I didn't even reflect about orthodoxy in particular. Because as I said, for me, Christianity and orthodoxy, that was one thing. I didn't even think about Catholicism or Protestantism because I grew up orthodox. Right. Yeah. But just brought back a memory. Wow. Yeah, that that for for me, um, I'm curious when I think of Westerners losing their faith, um, you know, because the orthodoxy brings to it so much more in terms of its traditionality, um, its historicity, yeah. it, it being a lifestyle. And so the rational understandings of Christianity and Protestantism are in the West, you know, basically all Catholicism now. Um, people get disillusioned with Christianity. And, you know, and so for me, the hurdle coming into Christianity was that I didn't see a sort of intellectual passageway that would allow me to identify as a Christian and not, um, uh, you know, be at odds intellectually. Like this thing that I, I believe, you know, the, I always use this as an example. People, I remember this was the first one that some of my atheist friends like, oh, you believe Jesus walked on water? You know, and at first that was like a difficult thing for me, right? Before I really had faith in Christ, before I really gave my life to him. It's like, oh, well, um, well, you know, he, are you familiar with like, you know, archetypes and symbolism and how he's the ultimate, you know, basically a, almost a Jordan Peterson approach to Jordan Christianity. Peterson, yeah, exactly. It, it, mm. It's just looking at it as as utilitarian. It provides framework. It provides our values. It's helpful for all these things. But uh, was I Christian? No, I wasn't. And so for me, it was it was really reading orthodoxy. I don't think I could have got into orthodoxy without just reading theology. And so I'm curious then for you, growing up orthodox, what what pushed you away from, or what was the hurdle? Like you said, there was almost a two year period where you you encountered demonic or perceived demonic spirits. 
you crossed yourself yeah. as an Orthodox. You identified, you know, yourself as a follower of Christ, but it took you two more years. So what was it? Is it the, is it, was it just too much of what your family did and you were more evolved? You were beyond that or, or just kind of what was your framework? Yeah, the evolved part holds true for sure. I mean, we both know, right, that spiritual psychedelic experiences, they can feed the ego tremendously. And you really believe that you're so evolved and beyond everything. Again, you don't need to eat meat. You are this next life form that is living here, light being close to God, or if not God himself, right? There's this idea as well that we are all gods within the psychedelic community. And that we're here to transcend the ego and understand that we are not this flesh vehicle, this avatar, right. but God himself having this experience as Bobby. Bobby is dead. He doesn't even exist, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so for me, orthodoxy was something that my parents followed. And I had some Polish friends. Their parents followed Catholicism, right? I had some Muslim friends. Their parents were Muslims. So it was just something that was outdated right this is what the people did back in the day and if anything i thought true christianity was a mushroom cult because youtube told me so right john John allegro Allegro, the mushroom yeah yeah. Yeah, exactly right and therefore i thought they got it wrong anyways so you won't find true spirituality within a book it's impossible you're gonna bible thump all day and you're gonna find god right impossible what are you talking about that's not how it works And yeah, to be honest, the Orthodox churches and priests that I encountered, they weren't too convincing either as a kid. There wasn't much. Yeah, that's true. There wasn't much of the liturgy. And we wouldn't go often to church, to be honest. So on Eastern and on Christmas, you know, and most people that I knew were Orthodox and had zero spiritual gains, right? So therefore, I didn't think about looking into that direction whatsoever. There was no appeal to it. And this is what I'm saying. Again, big thank you and big shout out to Tristan. He is a godsend because without him, I wouldn't be curious at all, I think. For me, it was mind-blowing that Americans are interested in something that I grew up with and found no spirituality in, right? This is how I saw it. And then I had to dig deeper myself and actually search for it. Right. So, yeah. God is funny that way. <laughs> wow. So, so can you speak then to what what do you feel has changed in your life after you know, kind of moving into that Orthodox sphere, devoting your life to Christ, trying to promote this message? Because that's when uh, I guess that's when I became more familiar with you. And your content was probably the last six months or so. And I guess you were already sort of Orthodox by that point because that was the way I perceived you as. Um, so. Uh, what have you noticed or just moving back to tradition? Um, is your relationship with your parents different? Like, can you just speak to life generally speaking? Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. So what happened is this. I was doing still a lot of YouTube reaction videos. I mentioned this because reaction videos are judgmental in nature, right? And at that time, I already considered myself being orthodox, but the reaction videos generated plenty of clicks and it was easy work and I had fun doing it until I'm going to be completely transparent here. Mm -hmm. I did somewhat of a compilation of Frank Tufano and Frank Tufano went down. I don't know if anybody knows about it, but Frank Tufano carnivore channel or formerly known as a carnivore channel went down a dark road where he got naked in front of 
I don't know, whoever paid to watch it on the internet. <laughs> and I thought it's kind of funny to cut out clips of that and to combine it with him hating on homos, basically. Right. He was making fun of gay people, but simultaneously performing gay acts for money. And I thought that's a hypocrisy and a contradiction. So I thought it would be very funny to do a little compilation video of that. And of course, there was entertainment value in that. However, I felt really bad after that, man. I felt terrible, really. And I felt so bad after doing that because everything that I created with this video was more ground of people judging that person, even though he was already suffering. And mm -hmm. I saw myself feeling superior and feeding my ego with right. feeling better than him, right? For what right. he has done. Right. And I'm in no position to judge anybody. So I felt so bad about that, that I actually... De not deleted, but deactivated my channel and went to Mount Athos. What? So I when went to that? the whole... When was yeah, that? I couldn't. No. That was last year before Corona started. Just wow. before Corona hit. Wow. Yeah. Cor corona hit, right? So whatever. The, you got... Well, okay. The well, pandemic hit. You, you got you to gotta continue on. What was your experience at Mount Athos? Yeah, sure, sure. So... As I said, I deactivated my channel and I was living off the channel basically and the revenue it was making, but at the same time doing meal plans, coaching, what have you, t-shirts, etc, etc. I just deactivated that thing and I couldn't see it anymore and I couldn't do any reaction videos in my mind and I didn't want to return to that either. I didn't know what to do really, but I knew that I wanted to go to Mount Athos and I was already in Macedonia at that point. So it was a two or three-hour ride, basically, with a car to get to the last city before you take the ferry and go to Mount Athos. So, yeah, I went to Mount Athos, not knowing that you actually should register with a monastery first. So that was something that I didn't know. You have to get an invitation, basically. Either way, I met some uh, Romanian people, and they helped me a little bit out with it. They helped me how to get around Interesting thing is that I met a Romanian dude. His name was Bobby as well. And he had, yeah, his birthday was on the same day as mine, what? which is a bit, yeah, a bit too coincidental, right? And at that point, I knew that God brought me there. That was enough for me. I'm like, okay, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? The guy had a beard and a shaved head just like me. I'm like, I'm Bobby. He's like, no, you must be kidding. I'm Bobby too. I'm like, all right, okay, crazy, whatever. And then whilst talking, turns out, his birthday was the exact same date as mine. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It was crazy. And they helped me around tremendously. 
told me where to go, how to go about things. And this is how I started my pilgrimage there because I didn't have any invitation and not many people on Atos speak English. Mm. So they just speak Greek, most of them. Mm -hmm. So I had to communicate with hands and feet and literally go around the mountain through the forests and look for monasteries on Mount Athos because there are a few. It's not only one. And to beg, basically, to get a place to sleep. Otherwise, I would have had to sleep on Mount Athos in the forest. right? <laughs> oh and God. it was a very humbling experience because, yeah, because I got over there. And David, let me tell you, man, I thought that everybody will be just super loving and kind, you know, and they're going to welcome you. And my first experience is that I encountered many perceived, if you will, egos, right? Many of those Orthodox monks, they treated me as a foreigner. They're like, what do you want here? Like, no, no, no place here. Go along. We can't help you. Actually, they weren't hospitable at all. Wow. And the interesting thing is, though, that I started judging them then, right? And I started judging them. I was like, wow, this is not what I expected at all. What am I even doing here on Atos? This is ridiculous, right? They only treat the Greek people nice and not anybody else. But then I started listening to the voice in my head and I realized again that I fell into the ego that was judging everything and I didn't put my trust in God whatsoever. Mm. And once I had that realization, I just started wandering Mount Athos until miraculously I found a monastery and they welcomed me with open arms. I talked to them. They let me sleep there. I kept on meeting new people and it continued Honestly, with no effort, it was unbelievable. All the psychedelic trips that I had prior to this, they're nothing in comparison. Because when I was on Mount Athos, man, let me tell you, this is truly a holy place. The energy that you feel there is unbelievable. Once you let go of your ego on Mount Athos, you have no thoughts whatsoever. You're just in the present moment, surrounded by pure godliness, and everything just happens and happens and happens and reveals itself. In the end, I was going from monastery to monastery to monastery just to end up in Esfigmenu, which is the last unecumenical monastery on Mount Athos. The others are already ecumenical, right? Because the Greek government already infiltrated. Esfigmenu is the last bastion, so to speak. They even had to fight off physically the government and the UN going into Athos and wanting to destroy their church and their monastery oh and gosh. get out the bishops to take over and establish a ecumenical council. So they were fighting and rebelling, and in the media, they're representing those people as Taliban, right? The Christian Talibans. Wow. So anyways, this is how I end up in Esfigmenu. We were talking about Seraphim Rose, right? And they said, uh, Jesus, let your way to get here. It was quite amazing. I really cannot put it any further into words. It was just this unbelievable experience of knowing that you're at the right moment in time, at the right place. Phenomenal. I can only recommend it. So if you haven't been to Atos as an Orthodox, it's on the list. You know, it's, it's really, honestly, the best thing that you can do for your Orthodoxy. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I have to smile. Wow, brother. That, yeah, that synchronicity of meeting uh, Bobby... And just, yeah. uh, just the yeah. <laughs> providence of your experience. That's inc incredible. I definitely want to go to Mount Athos. That's been on the list. I've been, um, I'm not super optimistic. I think eventually things will change, but just with the, the sort of talk of the travel passports, the, the, you know, the health passports and stuff yeah. like that, 
I know I personally am going to be rejecting any of that. So I'm curious how travel is going to be. I think, I think there's going to be a wave after about a year or so, you know, you'll be able to travel again. I I don't know though. Who knows? You know, I've read agenda 21. I, I, I'm familiar. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So that's why, uh, Tristan, when I speak with him Tuesday, I mean, he, he's already kind of living what I think I'm going to start planning on. I'm trying to move towards right now is more of a, a family yeah. farming, a sustainable lifestyle. Um, and then just doing my thing online, uh, and, uh, finding somebody to love. So that's kind of where my heart is and, and what I want to do. But, uh, yeah, I definitely want to get to Mount Athos. I'd love to go to all of East, East, uh, Eastern Europe and just travel from Greece all the way up to, you know, St. Petersburg. That would be, and just go to beautiful yeah. Orthodox churches and monasteries and, and just make it an Orthodox month, two months, you know, but, uh, anyways, I also want to talk to it's you. It's absolutely beautiful. About... If you ever make ahead, it up ahead, to Europe, yeah, go ahead. If no, you no. Ever make it down to Europe. No, if you ever make it down to Europe, give me a call and I will organize that for you. So you can make it down to Mount Athos and I will bring you to Esfigmenu. Ooh. The last unecumenical monastery on Athos. It's unbelievable. Well, that would, would be, be a lot pleasure. of fun. That, yeah, especially if if we were uh, we were traveling together, that would be that would be a really good time. Can you speak? Um, one of the things we kind of passed over when you're talking with with Tristan is this synonymous transition between veganism into a more carnivorous diet. Um, can you speak to the sort of movings and, and transformation of yourself in regards to your diet and how that relates to orthodoxy, how that relates to also your spiritual transformation or does it not? I would assume it does though. Go ahead. (laughs) What gave it away? Uh, It does. Absolutely. I would, if I would have to label it from veganism to carnivore or to eating meat, it is basically from fake to real. Because veganism is make-believe land, right? You are in a delusion where you believe you can create a reality after your own understanding of the world, which is absolutely flawed and in many cases manipulated by Disney, etc. Right? So you try to make this world into something that it is not. And therefore, not only the dietary habits, but the philosophy that came with it, be it the new age perspective, be it political views, be it technological views, right? Any worldview that I held, most of it, I let go after returning to eating meat. Hmm. And therefore, I have to label it yet again, from fakeness to realness, from not authentic to authenticity, right? through eating meat. A species-specific diet is... Maybe there is a variety of certain plant foods that people can include. Of course, people are different. So somebody enjoys some honey, somebody enjoys some white rice, somebody enjoys some potatoes. That is cool. But there is a groundwork. There is a framework what the body can digest and what it cannot. We all know that junk food is not meant for human consumption. We can eat it, but it's simply not meant for human consumption and the same goes for most plants most plants are not edible you can try to eat them but they contain insoluble fiber for a reason it is not digestible by the human body we are not herbivores no matter how many (laughs) vegans want to tell you that and therefore yeah you will end up all day on the toilet and being depressed it is quite amazing when i look back i don't recognize myself however now looking at myself, perceiving the world, 
I remember how I used to be before veganism, but during veganism, I felt like under a spell. And not only dietary, but in terms of relationships, in terms of people that I knew, the way that I behaved, the decisions that I made. Of course, you could describe it biologically and say, okay, you were malnourished and hungry, and this is why you acted in that certain way. And probably that would hold true as well. But I would look into a more spiritual perspective and say that I was under a spell. Under a spell. As a vegan, you weaken the body to such an extent that you open yourself up to demonic possession. This is truly what I believe. Mm -hmm. That you really open yourself up to demonic possession and that you are almost like somebody else is steering your decisions. Looking back, I don't feel like I had any saying in it, like I had any true decision, like I had any power. I basically gave myself up to dark forces, right. really. And that might sound a little bit too far-fetched, but that's how it felt like. Therefore, absolutely, there is a direct correlation of eating meat and finding back to God mm -hmm. because eating meat is the truth and God is the truth. So right. this is how I draw the line. <clears throat> no, I totally yeah. agree. I uh, Like I said, when I was getting into orthodoxy, I listened to a lot of Tristan and Jay's stuff and they had multiple streams on the carnivore diet and just listening to their experience um, on that diet and so at the beginning of 2020 again before COVID it was like maybe a few days actually before the trend uh, turning into 2020 I got on uh, something similar to the carnivore diet I still would eat carbs because I was trying to bulk up I wanted to do the logos fitness stuff I'm doing now cool. but I knew I wanted to get in like ideal shape before I did anything like that but I wanted to do the steak diet. And so I basically, all the way up till my chrismation, uh, which was November 1st, um, I ate a steak every single day. Um, maybe I would eat other stuff. It wasn't only steak, but at least a steak. Often yeah. it was two steaks a day. And so I was basically on a steak and mashed potatoes diet. And I was trying to tell my friends because everybody thought I was kind of weird. Uh, I mean, not too weird, but they saw that I was like pretty strict on my diet. I'd only eat certain things. I'd eat between a certain time frame, and that was real consistent with my fitness. But I loved it. I loved what I, I was feeling. I loved the transformation of my body. And uh, I kept telling my friends, "It's like, guys, you got to start eating more meat. You got to start eating more meat. You know, stop eating all the carbs. Stop, stop eating the pasta. Stop, dude, eat more meat. Yep. And so now some of my friends are actually went and got an indoor grill, and now they're starting to eat more meat. And I'm sure they're, awesome. they're feeling better from it as well. So my own experience within uh, doing fitness, changing my diet, is that eating more meat was also, 2020 was probably the year where I came closest to God, uh, got chrismated into the Orthodox Church, and became, you know, I'm 31 years old, but I'm in the, the best physical, spiritual, and mental shape I've ever been in my life, so I feel incredible. Um, and now we're coming up on Lent, and now I am an Orthodox Christian, and I do all this fitness stuff, and people keep asking me about uh, the fasting coming up on Lent, and what am I, what am I going to do? What do you do this? What do you... And so for me personally, and this is why I was wanting to ask you if you're going to be holding uh, with your diet, how uh, if you've got the blessing of your spiritual father to continue to eat meat, if you are carnivore, you strict carnivore, how do you go during fa uh, fasting during Lent? For me this year, I've kind of talked with my spiritual father, and I'm going to fast on certain days. So I'll uphold the Lenten fast, but only on certain days, just so I can kind of get into the routine. I've never done fasting and so he actually didn't recommend for the first time trying to go overboard and 
hold to the entire fast for all 40 days, but, uh, you know, come up with goals that you can kind of ease into. So I think I'm going to hold it two, three days a week. What, 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 what is your plans this upcoming Lent? What, what are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Last Lent, I was fasting and it was actually during my Atos time. So that was going hand in hand. It was the Lent fast. So it's already one year ago when I was in Atos. They had good seafood on Atos. It wasn't even that bad, right? We had some seafood there that we could eat. It wasn't that terrible. But then most of my time when I was back in Germany, I would eat plant-based and it just wrecked me completely. So... I was vegan for four years and therefore if you will a lent for four years my body cannot handle it anymore it really can't so every time i try after one week of veganism or plant-based eating even with a little bit of seafood here and there my body breaks down it cannot keep it up and therefore i will do a modified fast as well this year i tried it as i said last year again returning to orthodoxy, but my body cannot take it anymore. And this cannot be in the will of God either. So I have to still recover and repair. It is two and a half years after veganism now. And I would say that I feel normal again with certain injuries, of course, that I acquired during veganism, certain tears. So yeah, not doing the 100% plant-based Lent this year either. Can't. Yeah, I I try to get the blessing from my spiritual father on the carnivore thing. Um, He wasn't buying it. So so we we negotiated, as all good Orthodox do, and we came up with a compromise to fast on certain days. And then I can keep, you know, my my pagan diet uh, on the other days during Lent. (laughs) But uh, can you get into maybe some of your... I've in some of the videos I watched, you were advocating for physical fitness and all this stuff. And I know that you're just talking about the lockdown and sort of you're in a, in a position right now where you can't engage in a lot of the activities and exercise you'd be used to. Um, what are some of your normal activities? Uh, are you into weightlifting or do you do, you mentioned jujitsu or is martial arts one of your more, uh, central exercise focuses or, or just what, what is normally your routine? And then how are you dealing with that during the lockdown, as you're saying in Portugal? Portugal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very active. I started bodybuilding when I was 16 years old Mm. and I was really doing bodybuilding. So I gained, I started with 60 kilograms, ended up at 117 kilograms, which is 57 kilograms weight difference, right? Yeah. 57 kilograms. I don't know what that is in pounds, but I think plenty. I transformed my physique back then. I wanted to compete. So bodybuilding was my focus. But then in my early 20s, I got into MMA, then later on into boxing, back and forth, back and forth. And then later, now in my 30s, I'm predominantly doing jiu-jitsu just because, yeah, it's not always easy on the body, but a bit easier than trying to pack on more muscle, more muscle, more muscle. I'm already old, man. In my 30s, it doesn't work as good as it used to. Maybe I should think about TRT. I don't know. I'm getting old. (laughs) But yeah, usually... Usually it is about, I would say, four times weightlifting and six times jiu-jitsu if everything goes well. This is how I work out at the moment. Not yeah, at the I, moment. This is how I would work out at the moment. Right. Yeah, if you're allowed to go to the, the gym. Yeah. I uh, I was getting into some jiu-jitsu. Uh, there was some – actually, I was going with an Orthodox, a fellow Orthodox Christian. Uh, he's unfortunately moved since then. Nice. But there was 
there was a group in the town that I'm in, uh, some guys, former wrestlers and stuff, more martial arts guys, police officers, everybody that knew, you know, that was into jujitsu and they would just, there was a room above a church with pads on the mats on the ground and we would go roll. And that was, that nice. was a lot of fun. Uh, again, I'm not, yeah. I, I, I'm not a regular. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. There any more that we did that for maybe a couple months. Um, but for me, the. I have to have a physical fitness for me. I noticed that because so much of what I do is also intellectual and like reading books, which is to me the discipline it takes to read a book, get through a book and comprehend what is being said. The process to me is no different than going and working out or or maintaining a a good diet or just being disciplined. But I have to balance out all the heady stuff with physical stuff or I feel like I get out of balance as a person, um, yeah. just, I, I have to have something physical. And I felt for me, the weightlifting bodybuilding, it's easier on, on my joints. Uh, I mean, I was sore as hell after doing jujitsu, like my knees and ankles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so things that I'm not, you know, you're not really working in the same way when you're doing weightlifting, but for me, that's been so beneficial in my life and just the discipline to continue doing it. And also having that rock to return to. So when traumatic things happen in your life, um, you know, life happens, people get sick, people die, breakups happen, you know, whatever it is. Um, I've also found that the consistency of working out and working out in times, which I have a lot of other things going on in my life that, you know, like say somebody's sick or something like that, it's given me a space for a freedom, you know, that, that, um, the workout, the fitness, it's like, I know I'm going to do it. It's difficult work. And it's a, the fact that I know I'm going to do it. I know that it's consistent and that, that discipline is there with me during difficult times in life. And so that was one of the things that I wanted to make videos to help younger guys to see why that's important. It's not all, you know, it's not about trying to be a bodybuilder, you know, or, or any of these more superficial things that people perceive you're doing when you go to the gym regularly, when you're really start to develop a physique or, or try to do these things, there's deeper reasons for it. And so I wanted to help younger men who, and this, this is the next topic I wanted to get into with you is masculinity and kind of your thoughts on testosterone and really the emasculation, emasculization of our society of young men. And that for mm-hmm. me, if we can get young men back, it, it, again, just doing something physically with your body, if it's martial arts, if it's weightlifting, if it's, I don't care if you do CrossFit, I don't care what you do, 
But if we're Orthodox men and we see what's going on in society, we see what we're up against, the only solution, obviously, is ultimately God, but then us being icons of Christ here in the world, we have to do it. It's on us. And so you're not going to provide for your family. You're not going to protect your family if you're not strong and healthy. And so I think that young men, and my goal is for Orthodox men, is that there's a whole, there's a, maybe in the future, there develops more of a sort of masculine physical presence tied to our spirituality, which would really show Mm -hmm. how we are moving in the opposite direction of the world right now, right? Because when you look at any of the world Mm -hmm. religion, what religion is moving in the opposite direction? You don't, you don't, there aren't any. So, sorry, kind of rambled again, but what are your thoughts on sort of masculinity, young men right now, and, uh, and really orthodoxy. What are your thoughts? The orthodox gains. Let me just talk about bodybuilding for a second yeah. before I get into the young men. Yeah. It is very important to have structure in your life. This is why I can relate to it absolutely, because the thing is that your thoughts will deceive you on a daily basis, right? People are always wondering how can somebody be in shape, what does it take? Maybe they have a completely different mind state than me. Maybe they have different thought patterns. That's not really true. You know, everybody has thoughts. They always pop up. So when you come back from work or whatever, you sit on your couch, everybody that works out has the same thought patterns. One is I should work out. And the other one is I should relax. I should watch a movie, whatever, right? And therefore, it is just a decision which voice, so to speak, you will accept, right? Or not to listen to it whatsoever, but execute what you made the plan of. And this is why it is so important, so valuable to have a structure in your life. And bodybuilding can teach you exactly that. So, for example, if you say, I'm going to work out five times per week, that's what it is. Let's say Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Okay, Monday, it's the start of the week. I feel great. I'm going to the gym. Tuesday, maybe I feel a little bit under the weather, but I'm still going to go to the gym, right? Right. Thursday, I'm kind of exhausted already. Doesn't matter. I'm still going to the gym. Friday, I'm smashed. Doesn't matter. I'm still going to the gym. Saturday, it's party time. I don't care. I'm not going to party. I'm going to the gym, right? And it's the same with a meal plan or certain structure that you follow, be it keto, be it carnivore, or be it a meal plan. I'm having six meals per day. It is just structural and it teaches, now we can transition that into young males it teaches young males not to be overly emotional but to execute something right Right. to actually follow a plan and to be structured disciplined and to have faith of course first and foremost in god but in your own god-given abilities as well that you can be disciplined that you have that will to execute those things and a structure is phenomenal for that reason because it won't let you fall into yeah emotional whining and other (laughs) deceptions because i remember no matter if i broke up with a girlfriend i would always be in the gym right it doesn't matter right the gym was on monday on tuesday etc i would be there no matter if somebody died no matter if somebody was sick i was in the gym that was the structure that was this rock so to speak that was always keeping me grounded And that discipline, of course, translates into anything else after that. As you said, it doesn't matter if you have to read a big fat book or if you have to learn to study for something, you have to do a certain job. It doesn't matter because you already learned that discipline. Right. And you learned not to listen to those thoughts. And that's very, very important, right? Because they will deceive you ultimately. We all have those weak moments, but as long as you have structure, you will follow through. So 
I saw a cool video. Unfortunately, I cannot play it anymore because it's copyrighted, but it was a bunch of Orthodox Russians and there was this Orthodox priest and the video starts, you see the Orthodox priest in the church and after that he gets changed and they start working out. He's holding pets, they're boxing, they're doing calisthenic workouts and whatnot. It was super cool. So the whole day was conducted about prayer and working out and exercise, right? So the masculine orthodoxy honestly you should really visit the balkans so no matter if you go to serbia or to bulgaria or to greek you will see many masculine orthodox role models still around the balkan area that is thank god still mm-hmm. intact there right. but in the western world of course you see the feminization be it through food supply or be it through certain ideology again that is being pushed on the media it is the worst thing nowadays, apparently, to be a straight white male, right? <laughs> that is something that is being continually ashamed of. Yeah. I, d- I don't know how we came to this moment. I never thought that we will, to be honest, because just maybe 10 or 15 years ago, this seemed really impossible. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I find it kind of comical even that we are having this discussion, but it is needed, right? It is really needed because we live in a world of... Soy boys, it is true, but I never thought that it would come to this, right? That our forefathers, no matter where it is, no matter if it is in America or on the Balkans, our forefathers, they've been waging wars, they've been fighting for their fatherlands, and now everybody lives in comfort and they're eating soy schnitzel. Right? It's <laughs> unbelievable. So therefore, of course, there is reform is needed and masculinity needs to be taught yet again, right. which is, in a sense, a scary thought to me. So for that, of course, we need fathers in the household. And I believe that it all starts in the family, of course. What we do online, I hope, will help many men. But at the same time, we have to encourage, of course, the fathers to be fathers. Yes. I saw that a lot in Germany. In Germany, and no offense to my German viewers, but what I saw is very male and dominant females, mothers, and very emasculated, feminine males. And I saw that this translated directly into their kids. And then seeing those kids growing up, they are seeking out again, stronger, quote unquote, women, emasculated women. And they become even more feminized and they stay in that mind state of being the little boy. It is right. quite interesting to see, especially in the German culture, I've observed that. And this is a vicious circle that will repeat itself over and over and over again. So it traumatizes children when they see a masculine mother because it's not right. As I mentioned already with veganism, veganism is not right. We don't even have to talk about that. I see many people nowadays, even in the fitness scene on YouTube, and they never did a vegan diet. And then they will say, yeah, as long as you get enough protein, it (laughs) probably works. It's a bit more complex, but you can still do it. No, you never done it. You cannot speak out on that subject. It does not work. And that is the truth. It does not work, not even if you supplement. Your body will break down over time. So therefore, there is a right, there is a wrong, there is a true, there is a false. And a woman is not supposed to be masculine. That is not her nature. When you see that in the family, it traumatizes the children. Therefore, of course, it is important to have male role models nowadays, especially online. It is beautiful to teach the children about weightlifting, about martial arts, about real food, all of those things, fantastic. But the appeal, in my opinion, has to be to the male in the family, to the father, 
to actually be a male again. So even though, again, it has a lot of value to speak to the youth, we have to speak to the fathers as well, because they have to understand that they are fathers and that they are direct role models, right, in the image of God. Right. Yeah. Right. And that, uh, just bre- continuing off that point, when we remove, and this is why I think, again, the phenomenon is so prevalent around the world, um, either, I think two things are ways, from a Christian standpoint, you can destroy the nuclear family, is one, the reversal of the sexual roles of the male and the woman, or just the destruction yes. of the family entirety by taking the man out of the home. And so in America, with the welfare system in 1964, that's kind of what they did. They incentivized women to be single mothers to then eventually become financially dependent upon the tit of the government. So which is the goal of the government? Yes. That's what they want. So that that drastically altered the black community in America. And they're still dealing with those consequences now and we can see its impact on the masculinity or the or what even they idolize as masculine within those communities so for me being in a fallen world and that all this is really all a spiritual warfare and trying to put those pieces together um it it just makes sense the the masculinization of the women getting more women into the workforce reversing the roles the soy boy the 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 fear grimace face you know the whole soy face um yeah of just of, of visit, basically uh, i i know some people in the chat have seen it the fear grimace the idea of the soy face is really a what some people believe is a almost evolutionary again how you want to use that uh very controversial yeah. in orthodox circles um but somehow there's a people believe that the fear grimace the reason why these soy boys make the same face is because it is actually a submissive demeanor because it is mm. showing that they're not a threat they're not a threat to actual society they're not a threat to the actual authoritative male structure right it's a and so that's right. what it does it, it the face itself is a sort of signal of submission and Figuring out ways in which we as a culture, we as societies, we as people who can see what's going on, how do we move in opposition to this? And like you said, it's all about, in my mind, the, the father is the, the crux of the, the whole thing. You know, the whole, whatever it is that we as Orthodox are trying to do, again, we're trying to lead people to Christ and they have their own personal relationship with the one true triune God. But, I mean... W- we have to build families and to build a family, man has to listen to God. And so the woman can then listen to man. And so there is a correct authoritative structure to creation. As soon as the woman listens to the world and the man listens to the woman, now we have the, 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 the schematics of the fall itself. Men aren't supposed to be in that position. Men are only supposed to be submissive to God. And so getting people to, you know, getting these young men back connected with God and then showing that how they need to mature in their masculinity, hopefully they can be that father, you know, and hopefully maybe also through the the grapevine, the people who already are fathers, and I'm sure many people in the community have. There's so many Orthodox gentlemen, you know, later 20s, early 30s that have gone on this transformation. They already had children. They were already married, and they have gone on this Orthodox transformation, and they're now bringing their family into the church. And so it's all obviously the Holy Spirit. It's all the providence of God. But as you said, it's the, the Father is, is the crux because everything 
flows from there. The, fam- the nuclear family is the presentation of the Trinity in the home. And so if the Father's not there, God isn't there. And I think so many times you see people's prevalence towards atheism or new age or spiritual not religious is because they never had a real relationship with the masculine principle. And so they actually can't relate to God. And so of course they worship the goddess. Of course they worship the guy. Of course they worship creation. Of course they worship everything that's fallen because they never, they did not even experienced the masculine principle that moves beyond, right? The discipline of reading, the discipline of fitness, all that, that's the consistency of what we're talking about, the di- discipline of the diet. It's moving beyond the immediate moment to something else. You transcend the immediate moment. And so what's the problem is, is that people are trapped in the immediate moment. They're trapped within their pleasures. They're trapped within their hedonism. They're trapped within their cell phones. They're trapped within the immediate moment. And so then the focus, oh, be in the moment, be here now, you know, this whole spiritual ideal, which is true, but also there's more to it. And so that's how I, I see much of it is that people are just kind of trapped in the hedonistic immediacy of the moment. Yeah, that is interesting. Again, not to glorify or to speak on too high tones here of the Balkans, but this is the dualistic if you will perspective that i had because i saw so many families from the balkans the family structure from the balkans in comparison to a westernized country germany and thank god still to this very day the masculine is still somewhat masculine on the balkans and they keep that traditional role and you see that those people grow up much much healthier right most criminality that i encountered in germany Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It comes from children that grow up without a father or with a weak father. Atheism, as you mentioned correctly, as well in people that had a very, very weak father figure or an absence of a father figure, etc. It just leads to a delusion because the groundwork is not established yet. And this is why, again, we cannot cannot build anything without that foundation of a father. And the people that are in atheism, it is quite amazing how proud they are of their intellectualism and how they will essentially try to destroy the idea of God. But all I see when I look at those people is a rebellion against their father, right? First, the earthly father, and then, of course, the heavenly father. You just see a kid rebelling and throwing studies at you, right? And this article and this debunks here, 100% proof that God doesn't exist, stuff like that. But it's essentially just a little kid that is very, very hurt inside. And yeah, yearns for the father. This is what you see. But yet again, 
with the media at the moment, I mean, you have songs from Cardi B where she sings that she doesn't have to cook, doesn't have to clean, and still she got that ring, right? That is fantastic what is being glorified nowadays. And it is due to weak men that accept that. Yes. Because think about it, man. Just a couple of years back, if there would be a wife, a woman with such a behavior, she wouldn't become a wife. Nobody would marry that woman. Right. Right. I know exactly the divorced women, for example, in the generation of my parents. Nobody would remarry them. Women with children, nobody would remarry them. Women that were promiscuous, nobody would marry them in the first place. Right. That's just how it was. Right. And there was a shame attached to that. And those people, they still feel that shame because they know internally that it's wrong. But society tells them that that shame comes from society. Right. It's an absolute twisted ideology. They tell them, you're not really feeling true shame. This shame has been imposed by the churches, by society, by the patriarchy. And it is all right to be the way that you are. Right. It's all right, right. to be gay. It is all right to be a slut. Whatever you want to be is perfectly fine. Don't feel ashamed. Just be yourself. Okay. But that wouldn't fly if men wouldn't marry those women. Right. Because nowadays it doesn't matter. As a woman, you get a free pass. They always speak about slut shaming and what have you. But the reality of things is they can behave no matter how they want to. And in the end, they will get a weak man that will still call them honey and baby and will marry them in a church potentially. It's insane, right? So right. we as men have to have control over our sexual desire as well. Because it's not enough to point the finger and slut shame, quote unquote, but to realize that we are doing more damage as well by sleeping with those women, by being promiscuous, right? right? By allowing such behavior. Because if more people would have a self-worth, male and female, we wouldn't have the situation. So therefore... For the men, it is very important to not encourage such behavior. Of course, I understand that for young men, this is very, very hard. I understand it, man. In my 20s, I was going crazy as well, Mm -hmm. right? Just seeking the the next woman, jumping from woman to woman. I get it. I understand it. But looking back, I realized that it's absolutely wrong and empty and won't lead you to anything. You're encouraging such behavior and essentially you are establishing, yeah, this degeneracy further. Right. So it is in the hands of men as well to not permit such behavior. I, yeah. I totally agree. That's what I was saying. I totally agree with you. It's absolutely on men. And I have talked about this before on, on the channel that the guys you hear it in the trad Christian circles, whether it be Catholics or Orthodox, you know, the sort of female bashing uh, given to the degeneracy yeah. and some of the proclivities in contemporary society, okay? We can both criticize those things, but as you're highlighting, which is the fact that if men weren't so damn weak, we wouldn't even be here in the first place. The yep. whole thing is on the shoulders of men. And and that, as you, as you right. said, that, that, that um, condoning the behaviors of the contemporary female in the sort of... You know, the, the, the point, as you said, the not feel shame, I think what this is, is a sort of conditioning to not feel the in- interior shame, you know, as, in Scripture it talks about that it's written on your heart, you know, God's morality is written on your heart, and so yes. what they're doing is conditioning people to try to move against that, right, to further distance themselves from God, 
and the privileging because of because of social media and as i'm saying people being stuck in the immediate moment what that in my mind does it immediately elevates the value of sex with the female not for reproductive purposes but for hedonism yes. itself and so because then the female is so yes. elevated um i think one of the things that i notice is within the last few years it seems like um just the quality of women is different so you see like a what would perceive to be a you know a pretty good looking guy and it seems like wow the girl girl he's with you know maybe they're he could do better than that. And it seems like the dating pool, because all the higher higher status females are on these social medias, uh, have followers and all this different stuff, uh, they can get immediate attention. They can get immediate gratification and reward. They can then en engage with people that want immediate things from them, whereas a society that privileges, as you're saying, the man choosing the woman, that is in a society that is interested in long-term interests. That is a society that's interested in a stable family. That's a society that's interested in yes. a, a, a conducive, you know, culture and society that's pushing the correct morality. But we don't live in that. And so, of course, they, they devalue the man. And then the men are so weak, they don't elevate themselves to take back the place that they're supposed to be at, the place that they're supposed to occupy in society. They're too weak with, again, the immediate moment, the video games, the drugs, the sex, right? Giving the power to the women. Because you're saying they can't control their own sexual drive. What that is, is you're giving the woman the one thing she has over you, and you're giving it all to her. You're giving all that power to her. Where if you take that power back, what does she have over you? And now you're at a correct dynamic to engage, to actually build a real relationship. Because that, that privileging of one person really over the other due to what they can bring to the table... It, I think it's destroying so many relationships in the West, generally speaking. And I agree with you. It seems like all my encounters with Eastern European people is they're aware of the problems of the West and they don't want to go down that rap, that rabbit hole. And so they can already see where everything goes. Even the women that I've talked to, I tend to prefer Eastern European women because of those things, because of their femininity, the relationship to their femininity, their relationship to how they want a more masculine man, how they want to be in yeah. the home when they raise children, these types of things, which they don't question. That's obvious, right? But you talk to a Western woman and it's back into the immediate moment. It's back into career. It's back into power, sexual dynamics, all this different stuff. So agreeing with you yeah, in the end. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. It is enabling. Not only do we have this enabling online, right? So we have all the sims nowadays, the sim culture, people that pay for OnlyFans, which boggles my mind. I mean, right. if you're already going down that route, I don't know. I thought there is plenty of pornography for free anyways, but they still pay for it on top of it, on top of it directly. And they feed the egos of those people of those women right that's what they do right with that there's of course highly destructive i would say that most of those women i've seen it in the vegan community this is what i'm talking about i'm not mm -hmm. some some stalker creeper that is checking out only fans profiles <laughs> no you caught me <laughs> it's that many vegan women went down the only fans route i saw and i haven't seen one that hasn't complained about her mental issues mental illness right. issues self-love self-healing 
my 10th year in therapy, etc., etc. Of course, this is not healthy. We know that. However, it is again gratified by being a boss B, right? If you do this, you're taking care, you're making the money. It is again very masculine. They don't understand it. Of course, what they're trying to show online is feminine, quote unquote, by showing their butts and tits. But the reality is that is, of course, masculine trait to make the money by herself. She doesn't need anybody yet again. But this deep yearning cannot be satisfied with any cash on this planet. It doesn't matter. And this is why it will end up like this. The simps are paying, 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 building up the ego. After a while, she gets older. There's an expiration date for everybody. We know that. She will stop with that work. She will find another weak man that she will then marry. That weak man gave in instead of working on himself. He stayed weak, got with her because of her looks or whatever. And then she ends up hating him because she hates him. He transfers that hate into the children yet again. And now we start talking about the same thing over and over again, right? right. It's just this circle, this vicious right. circle. So again, how do we fix this? We cannot do it for anybody else. We only can speak out about it. I mean, if I could, I would shake everybody awake and say, stop paying for OnlyFans accounts. Stop paying attention to those women. Stop following them on Instagram. It's absolutely <laughs> terrible. I mean, you have absolutely no self-respect. You know, that you're right. so weak that you need your little dopamine hit and your little, I don't know, this horny fantasy every couple of seconds on your phone. It's right. very, very pathetic. It's like right. it's like looking at junk food all the time, basically, right? And fantasizing about what you would like to eat. It's, it's very perverted. It's very twisted. So, yeah, I can only encourage to let go of that, man. In, in, if, in a way, if somebody's listening. Um. One of the things that you I thought about when you're talking also is the proclivity of women also in this in this framework, right, in this contemporary dynamic of these relationships, this inverted order, is that you hear they want to go to marriage counseling. They want to go to the therapist. They want to bring the husband and wife to a secular therapist for advice on the marriage. And to me, this is, again, a sort of recapitulation of the fall. It's the woman leading the man back to yeah. advice from the world as opposed to what's the function of the church. If you're having problems in your marriage, you go to the church. You go to your spiritual father. You go yeah. to the body of Christ. And so you get the advice from God. And so the men are too weak to lead the women there. And so the women lead the men to the world and they again form, well, maybe, maybe you need to introduce a new sexual partner, you know, maybe polyamory is a good idea for you guys. (laughs) And, and it just, it's just a further emasculization of the, of, of men. And so how do you, how do you see this relation to orthodoxy? How do you think orthodoxy can provide that foundation for, men for you know a lot of people are more hopeful than i am uh, in the chat right now i'm sure just that follow me that uh, the west may become orthodox i don't think so uh but at least what we can do is grow orthodoxy and i think by doing that we're going to save people's souls which is ultimately the goal here so um what are your thoughts on on all this masculinity the inversion order and just orthodoxy I mean, of course, orthodoxy lays the perfect groundwork if followed, right? If followed, we have the perfect groundwork. That's the thing. So in order for that to work, we have to return people to orthodoxy. Once they see that, they will understand the hierarchy, the order, as you mentioned already, right? It is God above Christ, Christ the men, men over women, right? Women over children. 
we all watch the fallen state we know about that as well <laughs> yeah. but yeah it is simple yeah, it is very simple it is a godly order and it works because it's true orthodoxy works as well because it's true right but right? right. because it's true everything that returns to truth will be healthy and will be just the way it has, it has to be the way it is supposed to be right. it is we're talking about degeneracy because it degenerated from a norm right? right from the way it had to be this is why it is actually very simple i mean we don't have to go much into depth to realize that if we have a truth if we have the truth and that truth is perceived understood and then executed followed then of course we will have healthy families right and this is why in my mind of course returning to christ there is absolutely no other way right the other things that we mentioned for example bodybuilding martial arts clean diets etc etc all of those things come kind of naturally once you return to god right. a healthier behavior right? right because yeah because you are in communion with god because you know what is right you can as essentially discern between what is right and wrong and with that you can lead the example and again christ is not only a part of it it's not like hmm do i want to box or i want to do jiu-jitsu <laughs> that's up to you you know right, what i mean right. you can decide but it's not yeah but it's not like hmm maybe i'm going to add christ into it or mohammed or buddha and that's obviously not how we see it, right? So Christ is the intrinsic factor. Once you return to it, the rest follows. But for that, you truly have to return. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think one of the other things that it can do is provide a real transcendence for people's lives. Um, again, Father Seraphim Rose, you mentioned earlier, his very famous book, Nihilism. And I think for yeah. young men, too, one of the reasons why they get into that trap of the immediate moment is the what is meaning what is ultimately transcendent what is the purpose of their lives and for so many people even smart people uh they come to the conclusion well maybe there just isn't anything maybe we are just on a rock floating through the universe and somehow something that was created is also eternal and infinite and all these different things but they don't you know they don't have a foundation they don't um they don't have they're not, there's, there's no rootedness. And so orthodoxy can provide a real framework, as you're saying, for people's lives, bring them back to the truth, force them to confront themselves. That was the, one of the difficult parts for myself is coming back to orthodoxy and then seeing all the places in which you fall short. And slowly, as you get closer to God, you have to drop more and more and more of those things away, uh, which is an ever uh, continuous battle. So you never get to the finish, the finish line there, but that is the Orthodox life. That's what you're trying to do. And so just providing more meaning in people's lives, having a transcendent goal, having a transcendent reality, praying, uh, that was the big one for me. Just the first thing I started to do after that LSD experience with the logos. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As I started praying regularly and I swear that opened up it changed something in my heart. It changed the just the praying opens you up to things that you wouldn't believe that oh I'm I like Christianity but not that you know of course not that but but the more you pray the more you engage the more you go to church pretty soon you've adopted the whole thing and you're like well yeah obviously it makes total sense why it, that's the only way it could be and it's just amazing this interior transformation of people as they move into the church as they move in to orthodoxy again providing more meaning so I'm I'm very thankful for that, and I hear emails from people. I'm sure you do too, all the time from people rediscovering orthodoxy. Now you were talking about dating. Go ahead. Is there something you want to say? Just just one just one very very short thing. Go ahead. You said for some smart people as well. I would say especially for smart people, right? You have those. It's not an insult, but intellectual idiots in many ways, right? Right. You have intellectual intelligent people like a Sam Harris, for example. That will debate about determinism, but then at the same time, uh, so moral subjectivism, but then at the same time, actually, it is not good if you poison the drinking water in an African village, etc., etc. So incongruent, and somehow they do not see it, right? There is just this blindness, and it is trapped in intellectualism. So I'm not saying never open up a book, of course not, right? But it is so much harder for plenty of intellectuals to actually... Yeah, put their faith in Christ because they think that they will find it in any other evolutionary textbook, albeit the technocracy coming through the Great Reset, etc., etc. They put their faith into everything else, which will stimulate the mind and their egos rather than returning to anything that is real. Right. And this is why I think it's much, much harder actually for so-called intelligent people to return to Christ. Yeah, just a quick thing. Right. No, I've been building on that. I mentioned earlier how as soon as I brought this, you know, that my conversion, oh, I'm going to do this Christian thing. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm going to join the Orthodox Church. And then people, especially your non-believing friends, usually startled by that, can't understand, especially if you're coming (laughs) from psychedelics, if you're coming from a place where you've studied world religions, people can't really fathom. They feel like that's the end, right? That you've reached it. You've reached the enlightenment. Um they can't fathom that you're actually going to negate that whole stuff and you're going to choose one that's extremely formal and traditional and say, no, this is actually the one true way. But when you're yeah. talking about the really smart people, that's the pro- that was that's the challenge of the of you know, oh, you believe in Jesus, he walked on water, right? The the premise of that immediate rebuttal is again a limiting of any transcendent possibility. It's assuming that only natural phenomenon can occur and therefore oh you, you you know it's basically oh you don't believe in nature that's really what they're saying and it's and and we're so again first challenged with that when i became a christian it's like because i myself hadn't fully adopted a transcendent reality i was still trapped in the world and yeah. so when you're confronted with that you're like you don't know how to respond well you know he's an archetype you know he, he's all these things and he he's the source of meat and then it's it's just 
again, a trappedness within creation. You can't transcend it. And so another way is that it literally opens up your worldview. It opens up the possibilities of your life, of reality, of what could be the future. And so there's that other tr sort of transcendent dimension, I think, is just, as you're saying, with if you're too smart, you're almost, your mind has too many reasons to not transcend creation. And so you almost have to, something has right. to happen to break that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely beautiful input. No, it's right. That is a very good analysis. It's true. Something has to happen in order to break that. That's exactly it. So God has to give you eyes in a certain sense. Otherwise, you cannot see. It's impossible. You will, yeah, you will spin your wheels. It's really impossible to break out of that intellectualism. There has to be something deeper that awakens that. Because otherwise, we wouldn't be in this current situation as well. I mean, I'm talking to some people, quite interesting, here in Portugal as well. A guy that had corona himself, right? Intellectual guy. He's a lawyer, atheist. He had corona, was sick for three days. Not even really, just a quick cough, a little yeah. bit of a cough, a little bit of fever, maybe. And now he can't wait for the, can I even say it here, for the stab, right? So you oh. don't get demonetized or censored. Yeah. He can't wait for the stab. And I asked him why, right? You already had it. Right. Now, actually, if you look into the studies, uh, you will find that your immune system, once infected, will only have antibodies for around about three months. But if you get the stab, the jab, then uh, it actually lasts forever, right? Because it's a uh, RNA, blah, 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 right? So they're so trapped. They cannot see it. I'm like, you have absolutely no reason, no reason to get it for this little flu-like syndrome. But in their mind, it makes all the sense in the world. It makes sense as well that everything is locked down. I talked to them and they told me that it makes all the sense in the world, everything to be governed by your government when it comes down to hell. The same person that was sick for three days <laughs> will tell me that it's the right choice to shut down the whole country, everything to be closed. Why? Because certain studies have shown that if you follow the certain lockdown procedures, then this is blah, 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 blah. Unbelievable, right? Totally trapped in their intellect. They cannot see what is really going on. Right. A 99% survival rate or 99.999 survival rate. Right. Yes. Roll out right now. Everybody needs the jab. Lock down the whole planet. Let's go. This cannot come from eyes that see. This comes only from pure intellectualism, of course, completely misguided. Right. But this is what you see, and this is why it's so much harder for people to let go of that. Something very severe has to happen for those people to let go. But again, this is between them and God. Right. This is something that I learned on Atos. It was quite amazing. Many priests and monks, they would always tell me, don't judge the person. You know, It's always between them and God. You cannot say anything about them. You cannot judge them. You cannot open their eyes either, right? You can point them towards something, but ultimately it's up to God. If God wants to give them eyes, he will. If not, that's their faith. That's their destiny. One of the things yeah. that came to mind when you were talking about the the sort of intellectual atheist gentleman that got COVID and reading all the academic articles to then <laughs> validate the necessity to get the stabby um, – I did. It led me to a thought that I feel like I came to. I did a stream on it. What is the sort of the, the problem of self-projection? And so because people from an orthodox perspective have tainted or darkened their news, darkened the eye of the soul, the eye of the heart, 
the the true noetic way in which we perceive the world, as you're saying, they can't see what's going on. They're trapped in the intellect. They're trapped in the mind. And I, I feel like for a analogy, it's like you're trapped in a house of mirrors because ultimately you are mm-hmm. self-projecting. And so when we see, you know, the, the, you know, Donald Trump stuff, the hysteria about him, almost everything, and there's plenty, there's there's legitimate criticisms, especially if you're a true nationalist and uh, conservative and Christian, all this. There's true criticisms of Trump, but the tr- the the stuff that gets put out in the media, the Russia stuff, the collusion with foreign governments, the the, the fascism, it's all a self projection. It's a self projection of actually what they're doing because they can't help but see it. Because their news is so dark and they can't see reality. They can't see what's out here. The only thing they can see is themselves. That's the only thing they can literally see. And so then the world becomes a house of mirrors. And so because they can only see themselves, they see themselves projected and reflected in every single thing. And it is a self-projection. It is the ultimate trap, too, because that, that noetic darkness of the noose of the spiritual vision within oneself, it orthodoxy says due to your own choices, it's not, it's not that God chooses. God loves, God is always ready for your repentance, but due to your own actions and your own choices, you can get to an irredeemable place. You can get to a place where God allows, allows you everything you wanted. It means the furthest distance away from him. And I think that really sums up, I think for me, some of the stuff I see in the world and what I experience with, with, or not, I wouldn't say experience, or at least, uh, I feel like I'm witnessing in regards to political leaders, you know, things going on in the world, even people you interact with, you know, when you deal with a leftist, when you deal with these people and you, and you, and you're trying to be generous, you're trying to be honest and bring up ideas and you see their dishonesty and you see again, the self-projection. That you, when you deal with these people, and especially if you're coming from a spirit of Christ, I think that's when I began to really see the self-projection phenomenon um, to a, a higher degree. And the way that people, are, again, are interpreting reality is that they literally can't see reality. Because to see reality as it is would to perceive truth, but truth is a who, and they're actually moving in opposition to that who, they can't see reality. That's something that I feel like I've uh, I talked about, and I, I feel like this is true. You may disagree with that analysis. I don't know what your thoughts are. No, this is why we live in a world where pop stars sing "God is a Woman," right? Because they're not <laughs> asking about that who. Absolutely. Right. As I said, I find it mind-boggling and saddening, in a sense, that we actually have to talk about what it means to be a man. But yet again, this time asks for it, right? And as we mentioned at the beginning, we are in a world where we have, I don't know if he is a health minister now in America, the transvestite. What's his name? Oh, your beast person. He's not worth being named. Uh, Just the tranny, I think, suffices. Yeah. So now the idea is truly that we have to have a discussion because... Now they're in office, right? Now they're there. Biden put him into place. And you see people that still have half a brain left discussing with them if it is right or wrong to give (laughs) kids hormones that will block puberty, doing irreparable damage to their body. That we have this discussion yet again is to me just mind-blowing 
But of course, not surprising in this day and age. However, to not see the falseness in this, for that you have to be truly blind and so far away from God, as you mentioned, that this can be allowed at all, that our quote-unquote leaders are discussing those topics, right. even though a child, a child intuitively, if you haven't mutilated it with right. surgery and with hormones, would know that this is wrong. Right. They would know that this is wrong if the media wouldn't have brainwashed them, if they wouldn't have sent transvestites into their schools, into the kindergartens to teach them that two princes can kiss each other. Right? We know what is right and what is wrong. As a kid, we still have that intuition, thank God. But later on in this world, we distance ourselves so far that we actually have those debates. This is what I'm saying. So for this, this is a special blindness. Those people have no eyes whatsoever. Right. right? To talk to those people, you're talking to a brick wall. It doesn't make any sense. Nothing is right. coming out. Right? Yeah. No, it's true. I couldn't agree more. Um, I don't want to keep you too much. We're already past an hour and a half. Um, we have some questions for you. I was wanting to get into uh, cool. some, a few super chats. I was curious, are you, uh, are you in a relationship or are you a single man? For all the ortho ladies out there looking no, for I'm in a great European beard like that. Oh, don't make me blush. Now I'm in a relationship, <laughs> actually in a happy relationship. Oh, excellent. For a few years. But, oh, yeah, nice. A few years already. And... It's actually quite funny because when I met her, she was a Christian. I wasn't. And I actually led her astray, right? With psychedelics, told her how awesome psychedelics are, made her try psychedelics. So I was the devil in that relationship, basically. And she kind of lost her faith just to rediscover it through me when I actually returned and became, yeah, a man again, because you cannot be a man if you haven't got Christ in your heart. Right. Otherwise, you're not a man. You might think you're a man. You might think you're tough. You're nothing. Without God, you're zero. Right. And when I returned to Christ, she returned as well. It was actually quite interesting because we had certain talks, certain debates. And I tried to mold Christianity into my understanding as well. I would say such things as, yeah, yeah, certain things of the Bible are interesting, but certain things of Buddhism are interesting as well, being wishy-washy, not right. being truly committed. Right. But again, this was part of the returning to Christianity, to Christ. And yeah, therefore, I'm in a happy relationship. We are looking forward to getting married in an Orthodox church as well. However, now everything is closed around here. Travel is a bit restricted at the first moment in time when that is possible, hopefully this summer I will get married finally and then move on with making babies. Yes, that's the <laughs> Excellent, idea. brother. Well, God God willing and, and congratulations uh, with your plan. Thank Good you luck much. with everything. Uh, at least congratulations on your yeah. return. It seems like the, the ways in which, uh, again, you rediscovered God and brought her back with you. I mean, the man is supposed to be the spiritual leader of the family. This is, you know, a fixture within really all forms of Christianity. It doesn't even have to be orthodoxy. So you saw how, again, you were the spiritual leader, even when you were spiritually in error, um, leading her into error, but then rediscovering God, God, you know, God willing, and then leading her back to the church. And I could only assume that, of course, through effort, as all relationships, but at least now you guys are in a place where um, I'm sure, you know, with God's grace, you be together for the rest of your lives and build a beautiful, strong families. I mean, that's the goal. God willing. Now it's really, I am very, very happy with her values as well. The way that she conducts herself in relation to me, 
I mean, now I'm going to sound like a macho and sexist in now in nowadays in age, right? But she cooks, cleans every single day. Everything is super spotless, cleaned every single day. She loves to do that. She loves to be at home. She, yeah, she's always there, supportive as a woman. It's a beautiful relationship. I'm very, very happy the way that it is. How about you? Uh, well, I'm jealous. I'm a, I'm a single man, so any ortho ladies uh, that hear that, and um, I am taking uh, any offers, so feel free to DM. Uh, but no, I'm a single <laughs> man. I've been trying to do the dating thing for for a minute. Uh, I broke up with my my former ex was a Ukrainian, and so uh, interestingly, hmm. um, we didn't see totally. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You see eye to eye on the religion stuff, and, and things just end up not working out. So I've been looking for then the Orthodox Christian relationship of which I've never had, and just navigating those waters is di- certainly a different dynamic than uh, I guess secular dating and doing all that stuff. So I am also a bit picky, but trying to to find the one person. I mean, I'm ready to get married. I'm ready to to settle down. I just want to find the person that also sees the future the same way I see it and has compatible lifestyles uh you know for me the fitness and the the health uh not that they have to do anything what i'm doing but just as a lifestyle as again that rock through through the tumultuous places we inhabit during life that they're also into those things and so that could be something that we bond on maybe not necessarily but right now i'm just i've had so many things that you know oh they need to be they got to be orthodox they got to be this that i'm just like I don't care. Uh, I'll just you let God work it out. I'm just going to try to continue just just working, but I am looking for the right person. So, uh, God willing, that will eventually come come to pass. I'm sure. So, so anybody in the chat, call <laughs> David. Yeah, uh, DMs are open. Anyways, so some of the super chats that we got, I. Uh, looked like we had some good questions. Uh, Pano, good ortho bro here in Indiana. Um, he threw in one dollar saying Greek. regarding. Oh, go ahead. No, just that's Greek. Pano Kosturus. That's a Greek name. Yes, he is Greek. Just pointing that out. Mm. Um, regarding the whole veganism argument, Orthodox. Hesychastic monks who only eat bread and don't sleep for weeks on end are being nourished by uncreated energies. They also commune every week, yeah. eating and drinking Christ's flesh and blood. I think he was highlighting. Mm-hmm. I think I bet somebody made a comment about you're talking about how the body, uh, your body was so broken from your time as a vegan sure. and and you're eating meat. I, I'm sure that's what he was responding to. That. You know, the only way that you can do it as a monk with the Eucharist. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that is an interesting comment. And I was quite amazed as well. When I was in Atos, there were some monks that were completely plant-based, some that were, as I said, eating some seafood. 
on Atos, nobody eats meat. They just eat fish and seafood all year long. So they don't even eat meat on Atos. So you have to keep that in mind. If you go over there, there's just seafood, just fish, some beans, some good fruit, and a lot of olive oil. They drench everything in olive oil. <laughs> However, there was the talk. I haven't met anybody, but there was the talk of certain ascets as well, ascetic monks that live in the caves of Athos. Mm. And they really just live of certain wild herbs out there. And yeah, they pray in their caves by themselves. You have the monastic monks that stay in the monastery. Then you have some monks that stay outside of the monasteries in their little, uh, little houses. And then you have the ascetic monks that live in caves by themselves. And apparently, this is what they told me, they live only of wild herbs and a couple of berries outside. They almost eat nothing. They have certain practices as well, such as not sleeping. I don't know what they're doing in their caves. But yeah, I heard they are living off uncreated energy as well. Wow. Haven't met them though. But that that's what I've been told. That reminds yeah. me, Tristan. Crazy place. Tristan told me to uh, ask you, uh, you know, it was after you already got off the Athos story, so I, I didn't bring it back up. But now that we're here again, he said something. Ask, he, ask Bobby about what he left on Mount Athos or his experience leaving Mount Athos. Uh, can you go into that? What, what is Tristan referring to? What I left? Yeah, he was asking. Maybe that. my reaction video. Oh, I don't know. He was asking. I don't know told, exactly he what he referred ask, to. Ask Bobby about what he left on Mount Athos or his experience. He reframed it. He rephrased it as like his experience mm. of leaving Mount Athos. Mm. What I want to tell you as well reminds me now at the end of Mount Athos of my experience, it was crazy. I was, we were sleeping in a room in the monastery with two other guys there. They were basically pilgrims as well. And one was from Germany, a Greek from Germany. So he could translate many things for me, which was amazing. But Every night, he would take his little torchlight, because there was no electricity on Esfigmeno whatsoever. He would take his little torchlight to go to the toilet. On Esfigmeno, everything is like a thousand years ago. No electricity, no running water, the toilets outside, etc., etc. And usually, he would run through the hallway with his little torchlight, and I would try to sleep, and yeah, I would realize that somebody is using a torch. However, the last night on Atos, I felt that light again. And I was like, oh, this guy again with his torchlight. So I opened up my eyes and the guy was fast asleep. So nobody was awake, right? So I closed my eyes again and this light came back. And I felt full illumination within myself. I know this sounds insane, but it's really true. And I saw Jesus. And all I could take from that interaction, it wasn't a word. I just realized hard times are coming. And I had no idea what it means. I, was like, I had no idea what it means. I was like, okay. The next day I left with the ferry back to the mainland. And on the middle of the ocean, we had to make a stop. And all of a sudden, there was a military boat. And they told us that Corona broke out. Right? And... I was left outside. We had to stay there on the boat, on the ferry for two to three hours before they let us in. They tested people, etc., etc. And then I got back to the mainland and all the hotels were closed. I had no place to go. I had to take the last bus to Athens. 
in Greece, wow. had to take a flight, couldn't go back to Macedonia, end up in Germany, left all my stuff in Macedonia. And yeah, I was left with nothing. My girlfriend, she was on her way to South Africa for a business meeting back then. And then she was stuck there. So we were separated for three months because of the quarantine. And the hard times truly came, right? Oh, and wow. yeah, since then, I mean, we've been under lockdown, et cetera, et cetera. So what I experienced there in Atos, is just a side story, came true, right? That was amazing. But to try to answer the question, what I left there, maybe that's going to sound pretentious, man, but... I think I just left a lot of my old self there. It just got dissolved because since then I've been struggling in a sense to make funny, if you will, or edgy content on YouTube. I can't go back to those reaction videos. I can't go back to those yeah, judgmental videos or whatever. I just left everything into God's hands. And I've seen myself being less active online as well, not being so much on my phone anymore. Atos made me establish a trust in God, which I never had before in my life. I know exactly that everything will happen the way that it has to happen, as long as I have Christ in my heart. And there is nothing I can change about that, right? right. As long as I give my life to Christ, he will do everything for me, right. right? He will fight my battles, so to speak. And this is why even in your case, you don't have to worry, you know, like right. God will attach a woman to you, the right one. So you don't even have to choose. You might have an idea how she has to be etc but god will give you the right one anyways you know right. so yeah if anything trust trust is the word just ultimate trust to god through autos it was just crystal clear starting with meeting bobby <laughs> the other bobby there and ending with meeting jesus just ultimate trust everything will be the way that it has to be Right. It almost, yeah, that's it. B based on what you just said, and now thinking back on your meeting with Bobby, it is like you're sort of, you're, you're meeting another version of yourself, right? That was the experience on Mount Athos. And yeah. so when you say that you left a piece of yourself, I feel like that's almost prefigured and reflected in the fact of that providential occurrence or meeting with Bobby. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. I never thought about it like that. True. <laughs> that's right. But, uh, yeah, so next uh, next question, um, also from Pano, and he said, plus the plants were pre-flood, or the, the plants pre-flood were a much better and refined state where conceivably could eat vegan and not be malnourished. This is why God allows eating of meat mm -hmm. after the flood. These vegan movements are demonic hesychism, or a demonic hesychism that leads to death. Oh, interesting. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, we read it as well in Genesis, right? Right. Where God creates the herbs for you to eat and everything is just fine. Essentially, in Garden Eden, there is no death, right? Before the fall, there is no death in that sense. So because there is no death, obviously, there is no flesh either because flesh comes from death in that sense. Right. So therefore, it cannot exist there. This is what many vegans like to point out to. Don't you see in Genesis, they were vegans. So this is where we have to return to. Yeah, but well, you don't return to vegan to the Garden Eden by eating soy burgers. <laughs> that's that's not how you do it, right? And yeah, therefore his his question or his statement is definitely true. In that state before the fallen state, yes, we were truly vegan in that sense, and vegetables tasted like meat, like our species specific diet. 
because it was pre-fall and there was no death. Right, once exactly. there is death, yeah, there is death. flesh. Right. Yeah. Pano throws in another two do- or $1, and he said, also, the criticisms against eating meat and studying philosophy slash apologetics are synonymous. We've been deprived of basic physical, nutritional, and intellectual foundations that were common in the past, requiring us then to catch up to our ancestors. Oh, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, no, it's right, because in many ways, yeah. nowadays, it is not so much about learning, but unlearning. Yeah. As I said many times by now, right? Yeah. We have to unlearn basically all the brainwashing and realize what it means to be a man or unbrainwash us and realize, oh, oopsie, it's a great idea to eat meat. Wow, right? <laughs> Didn't think about that for four years straight. Smart. Right. So yeah, this is how it goes. Nowadays, it's much, much more about unlearning than learning anything else, than adding to it. Because everything that you will add to it will further obstruct it and will further bring you down delusion. You have to kind of bring those layers off again, the brainwashing of society and return to tradition. So therefore, yes, if you look into our ancestors, nobody had the luxury of time and comfort (laughs) to think about not eating. Right. And therefore it is just common sense. Basically everybody knew what was good. Nobody had the the audacity to think otherwise. Right. (laughs) Right. But then the vegans will tell you, yeah, but we we raped as well. And eating meat is the same. Yeah, well, it is not. It yeah, that, is not. the framework of yeah. that comment that we are having to catch up with our ancestors is kind of the framework that I, my stream with Tristan will be on Tuesday is that the past is the future for those who are following God. And so the future isn't the future. Right. The past is the future. And so if we actually want to get closer to God... We already have the maps already for us. You know, it's not like the transhumanists and the, the, the people who believe in the singularity that they're moving into uncharted territory, uncharted waters, all this, you know, mumbo jumbo. But for us who see the fallaciousness of all these things, that the future is the past. The future is becoming more yes. and more like our ancestors. That's the only way, again, we can escape the mirrors, the matrix, whatever you want to call this fallen hellhole that we're in. Yes. Uh, Have you ever been into this whole transhumanist idea? Have you ever been into this transhumanist idea? Yeah. Psychedelics lead you into that? Oh, absolutely. I was so, um, yeah, when I was deep into psychedelics because of much, and this is something I'm trying to talk about at at an academic level when I, because my my dissertations Mm -hmm. on describing the use of psychedelics as a new religious movement. So then describing a new religious movement, yeah. you have to describe, you know, what are, you know, the, their metaphysics, what's their epistemology, what's their morality, how do they come to all these different things? So the transhumanism is a natural conclusion from much of the psychedelic thought because it's Gnostic, much of the idea, because again, yes. the basis of getting into the psychedelic state is for Gnosis itself. And so whether they identify as Gnostics or not really isn't the point, is that their worldview and the facts that they think they have to go into these altered states of consciousness to, you know, acquire these new novel forms of understanding or, or, or putting together patterns in certain ways, which does happen for some people under the auspices of these substances, but it's not the substances mm-hmm. doing them. That's, or obviously, you know, that's another conversation, but the transhumanism is the escaping of the fallen world for the Gnostic, right? The Gnostic, the the rocket ship is 
the Gnostics escape. And so the Gnostic religion is totally alive and well in Silicon Valley right now. Now, it, it goes under forms of more occultism. It looks like Aleister Crowley's Thelema. It takes on various monikers, but it, it still has this Gnostic element. It's about special, privileged, esoteric knowledge that other people can't handle, therefore elevating those people towards statuses of being more enlightened, and then they have to escape the world. They have to escape this planet. So the the Mars stuff, the SpaceX, the the whole worship of the universe, then. It's the worship of creation. It's taking yeah. God out of the world and just taking then piece of God's creation, the universe, and make and filling that in. So well, what's eternal? What's infinite? Well, God doesn't exist, so we'll just give him the universe, right? So now it's the universe right. is my sense of awe. My the universe is mm-hmm. my sense of pure wonder. It's not actually contemplating how God could be the logos and maybe human, you know, as a sort of understanding of the mystery or something like that. So the transhumanism, they're trying to get away from the biology, which, again, to me, it's ultimately demonic because Gnosticism, to me, is Satan's attempt to subvert the original church. Christ was being established. The church was being formed. Then we see all the errant heretical forms of theology emerge, even Arianism within the church. Somehow St. Athanasius preserves the correct doctrine, and that Gnosticism was against biology. It was against having children. They were into sodomy. They were into oral forms of sex because natural forms of sex could lead to reproduction, which led to the light being trapped in the world. So because the world's so fallen, biology itself is bad. Well, then you fast forward to these these modern secularists. What do they believe? Well, biology's fallen humans are poor poor computers therefore because they're bad computers we can make them better computers by merging them with computers and that whole idea i mean the singularity to me again the the technological stuff that is that is the protestant millenarian apocalyptic worldview present within the secular western mind frame so because of protestantism and its presuppositions eventually the west totally loses its faith in, in christ i.e. every Protestant nation. And so the same, the same patterns emerge, the same apocalyptic expectations of, of the end times always being around the corner, it's still here. It's just now they think about the singularity. It's about transhumanism. It's about man merging with machine. But it's the same, it's the same problem, the same problematic mind, just it's now Gnostic instead of Protestant. And so I was there. I was wrapped into the Anton, Robert Anton Wilson, Timothy Leary, Terrence McKenna thought, you know, got into the ideas of the singularity, uh, Ray Kurzweil, uh, listening to uh, Jason Silva, you know, a very prominent YouTuber and kind of content creator talking about all these ideas. But eventually you realize that if you if anybody who has a bit of a philosophical background, and this is why I think Jay is so important for people is that his philosophical background can critique that whole paradigm without having to know everything about AI, without having to know everything about Gnosticism. Or, and so you can see then the Jason Silva, the, the whole worldview, it doesn't make much sense. Um, and I think the psychedelics and the dissolution of boundaries, which is ultimately what they do, um, leads to a, the, the dissolution of boundary between biology and potentially artificiality. I know that's even a debated concept in, in science, right? What is artificial? What is natural? I get it. But um, yeah. the transhumanism thing, I think it's, it's, it's literally 
it's the it's the future expectation that gives people a sense of awe and meaning that isn't God, right? Because it kind of is God for them mm-hmm. because of what they think the AI will be based on their house of mirrors, yes. I think, that they live in. Sorry, you got me. I really rambled yes. there. No, no, it's fantastic. You mentioned Ray Kurzweil there, and just as you described it in the end, it's true, right? When they asked Ray Kurzweil, do you think God exists? Ray said, not yet, right? So therefore, they have to create God, which is, of course, ridiculous. But if you look at the psychology of a Ray Kurzweil, it's quite fascinating as well. I don't know how much you know about the character, but his father died as well when he was kind of young. Oh, and therefore, yeah. he couldn't accept it. You didn't know that? No, I didn't. His father, it's the creepiest thing, to be totally honest. His father died. His father was some sort of musician. So Ray gathered all the music of his father and his memoirs and certain videos from back in the day. And now he tries to create an AI that will replicate his father. Right? Mm-hmm. It goes that deep. He wants to recreate his father and bring him back here. God doesn't exist yet, right? He <laughs> has to create that father here. Right. It is oh, wow. the ultimate inception. It's insane. That connect that, yeah. kid, that connects. And all so of it comes of right there. Yes, yes, it does. And of course, again, from his worldview, this fallen realm, obviously the death, etc., he cannot accept that through the witness of the early departure of his father, and therefore he has to recreate that, right? He has to create reality in his image. So, yeah, that's how deep the psychology goes. But once you have the eyes, you see him, and he's, of course, an intelligent man. He's an inventor, etc., etc. But at the same time, you just see the suffering in him, the suffering of this little boy, which motivates this destructive behavior in the first place, right? Yeah. Just a little side note about Ray Kurzweil. Wow. No, that that's powerful. I'm glad that you said that. I wasn't aware, but that totally, and that's even consistent with the last hour, well, two hours now that we've been talking. That's totally consistent, again, with yeah. this understanding of the masculine principle, the father, the importance of the father, and yeah. how we relate to God through our relationship with our fathers. I mean, it's everything's right there. Yes. Um, you can watch the movie called transcendent man it's a it's a movie about ray Kurzweil. i think you can find it on youtube it is interesting to watch really to see in what kind of depths of his psychology we yeah we encounter there transcendent man very interesting watch mm, yeah thank you for recommending that i have to check that out yeah. i haven't seen that uh, oh, really give it a look it's interesting Logos unveiled through in $3 and said, how do we refute the claim that the Eucharist was a psychedelic? Is there any evidence that the early church used any hallucinogens for spiritual purposes? Thanks to both of you. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Logos unveiled. Jack Gregory, do you, uh, uh, I mean, I'm sure you're going to have some thoughts on this as well. I would begin with in regards to how do we refute the claim that the Eucharist was a psychedelic? Well, where do we get the argument that the Eucharist was a psychedelic? This comes from a book by John Allegro. Um, actually, I have it right over here. Um, but it's claiming that, yes, early Christianity was a form of a mushroom cult. Uh, were mushroom cults active at that time? Yes, absolutely. Um there is another book that's very prominent I've talked to you guys about, about the psychedelic Gospels, all these frescoes that depict uh, the original sin of Eve eating from what appeared to be a mushroom tree, eating mushrooms. Um, the same things with depictions of the Last Supper. It looks like they're eating mushrooms. Um, 
how do we refute this? Well, one, John Allegro's book is not um, backed by academia whatsoever. So the difficulty with his research, his book um, called, uh, I have it right over here. Where is that thing? Um, Anywhere. It's somewhere around here. Anyways, the linguistics he uses to make his case is actually so complicated and convoluted that other linguists in Aramaic, in these ancient Mesopotamia, uh, Mesopotamian languages, or, or Mediterranean languages, rather, I'm sorry, um, they don't see a consistent thread. So there's been no outside scholar, because to read uh, The Sacred Mushroom by John Allegro, it it requires you to know all these dead languages. So it, then you have to be a scholar to know all these dead languages. All the scholars that know those dead languages that read his book feel that it doesn't make, it doesn't prove what it's claiming. And that really this book was written for a popular audience. And so he can use much of his linguistic skills to make an argument in which he was very against Christianity himself, and he also made quite a bit of money from that book. Now, maybe he was sincerely sincere in his research. I'm not too positive, but there isn't when when anybody brings up John Allegro's research, there isn't anybody that I know of in academia that actually supports it. It's only people in the psychedelic community. Some people with PhDs behind their name will make reference to it. Nobody will actually go out and say, hey, this book is true and I'm going to make this case and this is the, this is the historical case for Christianity as a mushroom cult. Nobody will do it because no scholar will back the work. So that's the easiest one right there, is that John Allegro's book hasn't even been proven with, you know, within any academic standard. It's only people already wanting that to be the case. How do we deal with the mushroom frescoes within Christianity? Those were a contextualized historical phenomenon. Cathars, various groups within uh, the Catholic West, go, they take in the Crusades, they go back to the Holy Land, they encounter what's called Manichaeanism, a form of radical dualism, very similar to Gnosticism. And the Manichaeans were known, I have multiple books here, um, you know, Persephone's Quest, uh, the Apples of Apollo. I got all these different books by uh, Carl A.P. Ruck about how Manichaeans were all about mushrooms. They were known to eat mushrooms all the way to China in the Mediterranean. So there was a group that was very much interested in eating mushrooms for revelatory experiences. That was also mixed with Gnostic practices. These Cathars who go to the crusade, they go to the Holy Land, they become exposed to these practices and they take them back to Europe. That's why then we find these frescoes between the years of 900 and 1300 that that's the, in that period is where we find all of our frescoes depicting this sort of secret Eucharistic mushroom tradition within Christianity. Therefore, showing this isn't some secret tradition from the beginning, or this wasn't the secret truth. This was a historically contextualized phenomenon. They depicted their mystery in their frescoes within their churches, and they then were killed in the Inquisition. That's why we don't hear of them anymore, and that's why all those frescoes stop, because the Catholics killed them in the Inquisition. So... Um, in regards to then refuting the Eucharist as a psychedelic, that is one way to do it. Now, another way to flip that around and show, so the, the presupposition of the psychedelics is that you can consume something and somehow you can attain 
a higher revelatory status, or really what they're saying is that you can elevate your own divinity, is really what is being assumed there. Well, isn't that what we do with the Eucharist? And so the idea of consuming something to bring somebody closer to God, well, that idea might be true. And so we can then take somebody who's wrapped up in the psychedelics and move them into a framework of orthodoxy saying, well, you see, it's just a misunderstanding as everything is. It, it, it's just a subtle inversion. It's a, it's a subtle deviation from the truth. And that's why you're uh, taking the psychedelics and wanting the psychedelics to be like the Eucharist, to be Eucharistic, because you want the psychedelic to be the thing that, can, that makes you one with God. But that's not the thing, and what that's doing is just misleading people from the true thing that does that, which is the Eucharist. And so that's, that would be my argument if I had to deal with somebody uh, putting out those, those ideas. Um, any thoughts from you, Bobby? I think you did a better job than I could ever do, so I have nothing to add to that, man. <laughs> we can move on to the next question. All right. Ne um, next question or next comment was from Pano. He threw in another dollar and said, atheism is pussyism. And uh, I think that's fair. <laughs> Pan Pano threw in another dollar and said, this is why in traditional Orthodox societies, there were three stages of development or initiation. One, flesh, mother, breastfeeding, ages one through eight. Two, intellectual discipline, philosophy, science, and exercises, ages nine through 18. And three, noetic fasting, profession, marriage, and monastic life, ages 18 through 22 plus. Well, that's really interesting, too. That's another great comment. Any thoughts from on your end? Yeah, I learned something new here. I didn't know that there is such a structure. Who established that? I never heard of that structure ever before. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you, Pano, for informing both of us of this sort of orthodox societal structure, the three stages of development or initiation. Wasn't aware of that. Um, Prism throws in $10 and says, still learning about orthodoxy and heard of monks having health issues due to the extreme fasting. To me, it raises alarm, especially given this straying into self-abuse rather than edifying discipline training. Do monks generally have poor health from fasting? Uh, maybe you would have a better idea than that. I haven't interacted with a whole lot of Orthodox and monks. With all the monks that I interacted with in Atos, they were in tremendous health, and I was wondering myself. I was wondering myself, how can you be plant-based most of the year and eat only seafood and fish on occasion and be that healthy and that vibrant? So, of course, I do not know if they have any sicknesses, if they have any illnesses on Mount Athos, there's actually a little hospital as well. So if something happens, you can go there. But I saw them to be in really, really good health and good shape for what they were eating. If I would eat only olive oil and beans and oranges all day, I would look probably a bit different. <laughs> so I don't know about those complications myself. I think that it comes with a certain level as well, right? As we said, that's what I've been taught on Atos. We have those monks that live in the caves that only live off wild weeds and berries. Obviously, I would die in the matter of weeks if I would do that, if I would try to attempt that. So therefore, we do not know how God works through them and what they do. It definitely comes step by step. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, at, I'll let you answer that one. I'm not too familiar with monks. I've never really interacted with them personally. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, whatever Bobby said. 
So that basically sums up our, all of our super chats. Brother, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. I uh, had a great conversation. I'm going to change the title to Masculinity, Psychedelics, and Orthodoxy based on our conversation. Uh, but, man, really appreciate you coming on. Love the work that you're doing. God bless you and your girlfriend. Um, where can – anything you want to leave with people, anything you want to say, and then also where can people find you? Uh, I'll have your – I have your. I already have your YouTube channel in the – description link and i can add your instagram as well but anything you want to say yeah thank you very much for having me it was a big pleasure talking to you it's really cool to connect with people all over the world that find to orthodoxy as i said especially from the american realm that they get interested in our religion from that area right we know that it is predominant on the balkans in greece in bulgaria the first Slavic Orthodox Church has been established in Bulgaria. For me to see it now spread over America is really amazing and heartwarming. I'm very, very happy to see that. So yeah, people can find me on Bobby's Perspective on YouTube, Bobby's Perspective on Instagram. That's pretty much where I'm at. This is where I try to spread the message as good as I can with my capacities. And yeah, this is pretty much it, man. I don't have much more social media. Back in the day, I used to have a website, but no, nah, it's just YouTube and Instagram nowadays. Well, great. Uh, I I really enjoy your comment. I know I listen to quite a bit of you and Tristan regards to talking about vegans. Uh, tend to always have a good laugh. But thank you, brother, for what you do. Um, again, God bless you and yours. Thank you to everyone who threw in a super chatted and supported and who liked and was just here to hear our conversation today. I will be back Tuesday with the infamous Tristan of Primal Edge Health. So please tune in then. That will be Tuesday at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Tristan. Again, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Bobby. Uh, and we will see you, as always, next time. God bless. God bless. Bye.